Welcome, New Life. <laughs> well, I was pretty sorry there, y'all. Welcome, New Life, right, man? Oh, boy, man. <clears throat> I'm in trouble today. As you can tell, Doug's not here. They're out on a, a conference, him and Janie went. And so uh, he asked me to preach, and I'm, it's always a blessing to preach for him. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I just want to give some announcements first for the, um, that we always go over. Don't forget the things on the back of your brochure, <clears throat> your bulletin. Things that are going on, Celebrate Recovery, men, men and Women's Bible Study, uh, Youth Preteen, uh, Stepping Up Men's Meeting. Uh, I'm sorry, no, no Stepping Up Men's Meeting uh, next Sunday, correct? Right. And then, of course, the Mission and Leadership Lunch coming up. Uh, remember that, Mother's Day for all you moms. And uh, again, this uh, things in the future, the raffle for the air fryer and the grill for the teens, and then family worship May 30th. You know, um, people pick on me because I use the King James Bible, you know, and uh, so I told Doug, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this up here next time. So I, uh, so this is some different Bibles, way you're looking at someone sent this to me on Facebook. It says, message Bibles, mama, I'm hungry. Amplified, mummy, I am hungry, famished, starving. NIV, mother, I am hungry. The King James says, henceforth, let it be known unto thee, birth giver, that my belly consists of emptiness. So, there you go. All right. So, I told him I was going to pick on myself and do that there. Um, I want to talk to you today on, on something kind of serious, actually, on uh, deception in the Christian. Deception in the Christian. You know, we humans can be um, gullible. We can, we can be convinced to believe a lot of things. Uh, this is evident if you go on any type of uh, TV sort of state, you know, and, and get on there and Amazon or something and Google up these um, conspiracy theory shows, man. I mean, there are, there are things out there people are believe uh, and a multitude of things. Um, people are believing all this secret silent war going on between, you know, the government and aliens and Bigfoot and the Little Mermaid. I mean, it's, you name it, man, it's all there. It's all there. But, you know, there is a secret silent war going on that we, uh, I think, as Christians are really not aware of. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, it says there, he says, Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war According to the flesh, for our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God and pulling down strongholds. You know, we're, we're in a battle. I don't know if you understand. There's a battle for your soul. Even if you're already saved, there's a battle for your life. There's a battle for your kids. There's a battle for your spouse. There's a battle for your neighbor. And there's a battle going on. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're, we don't realize. To us, it's secret and silent. But it's, it's very evident. That warfare is not just a skirmish, that it's a, it's, it has the idea of a campaign, something that goes on and lasts for a long time. So we're in a battle. Paul charges Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter number 1, he says, I charge, uh, this I charge, uh, I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Twice, Paul refers to Timothy as a soldier. So there is this battle going on. There's a real battle going on. It's going on in the spiritual realm. Therefore, we need to be 
spiritually minded to have this understanding of it and to really have any effect in it. Now, you know, people get the misunderstanding about being spiritual. You know, they think it's a bunch of uh, do's and a don'ts and, you know, you wear a robe and, you know, shave your head and walk around with a little thing with some incense, you know. But that's not what spiritual is. Spiritual is being in tune with the Holy Spirit. And not only just being in tune with the Holy Spirit, but being in tune that you can distinguish between what is a spiritual battle and what's a physical battle. That you can see the difference. And I know for myself, you know, I, I... you know, blinded and not, not realize that, that the spiritual battle that goes on. Now, how does all this tie in together with deception in the Christian? Well, um, this fella, 500 years before Christ was born, wrote a book on warfare called The Art of War. And since his writing of that book, he was a, he was a Chinese philosopher um, people have studied what he wrote for 2,500 years and taken his principles and still apply it today. And this is what uh, this one commentator wrote about what he said. He said, the goal of any conflict <clears throat> is to control your opponent and overcome them. So your enemies, and there's more than one, is to control you and overcome you. Controlling their beliefs about your abilities helps you understand their assumptions and plan a, a strategy accordingly. As well, a, a well-known translation of, of Sun Tzu's, that's the man who wrote it, he put, it's put this way, all warfare is based on deception. All warfare is based on deception. Deception includes feigning uh, weakness when you are strong or professing ignorance when you are informed. There's really two types of deception in warfare. You either portray yourself stronger than what you really are, or you make yourself look weak and timid so that you can trap them and sneak them and get them. That's the two types they are. So there is deception in the battle that we fight, that spiritual battle. In World War II, you put that first picture up there. In World War II, they, they had a group of, of men about, oh, that was the first picture. Is that the oh, There it is. These guys, it was, called, it was called the Ghost Army. These men, a little over 1,000 of them, after a few uh, months after D-Day, and they uh, stormed the beaches of Normandy, they got the group of, these group of men and they feigned themselves to be um, different types of army and battalion and all that. They had trucks with big sound systems. They had, you can put the next picture, they had uh, these blow-up tanks that they set around and made it look like uh, there were tanks and deceived the enemy. Matter of fact, they, they did such a good job. One time they almost... Uh, got overrun because they had their big loudspeakers and they were making the sounds like there was this big battalion moving in and the Germans thought it really was. They started shelling them and moving in. They had to escape and barely made out with their lives. That's how good of their job you know, they did. This ghost army, it was kept secret for 40 years uh, of what they did. It wasn't really declassified until 1996. The ghost army. Now, there's a ghost army out there. 
Even today, um, it is said around $52.6 billion is spent in the, what's called the black budget. All this covert stuff. And one of the things that they do, right, covert action, surveillance, and counterintelligence. And counterintelligence is the art of deceiving the enemy. It's one of the things they do. So we even practice that today. Now, when James is writing to the believers he's talking to, he talks about this wisdom. Two types of wisdom. You got good wisdom, you got bad wisdom. And he says... About the bad wisdom, he says, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is, here's our three enemies, earthly, sensual, demonic. World, flesh, and the devil. Those are our three enemies as a Christian that fights us. Even as a non-Christian, they fight you. And James says, these are the three kinds of wisdom philosophy that's out there that seeks to deceive us. So let's take a look at some of the most common ways Christians are deceived in the spiritual war, okay? We have three enemies, world, flesh, and the devil. So let's take the world first, all right? The world's reasoning. You know, the world system as collective has its own type of philosophy, has its own way of, of trying to communicate to us, right? Anybody who's living in this world knows that. And the world has its own way of trying to convince us of, of I think, deceitful wisdom. One of the things that is most popular is what is most popular? What's most popular? You ever done some dumb things because of what was popular? Back in Florida, we, there was a thing of jumping off the Destin Bridge. That was a popular thing. Hey, everybody else is doing it. Let's just jump off the Destin Bridge, right? That's what we did. My brother dove off the Destin Bridge and hit his head when he went in and boom, he was, you know, about broke his neck. I mean, what is it about the world that makes things popular that, that we tend to follow? I don't know. You know. The world comes out with this saying or that saying or, or, or philosophy, and we're like, oh, man, yeah. Now, here, here's, here's a picture of, of the world's, uh, you know, world's wisdom. Here, how about that? Look at that. That's, that's fashion, man. That's a linebacker in a dress is what that is. I don't know. Well, that's, that's today's fashion, man. That's what they think is, is, looks good. Here's another one for you ladies. There you go, man. You got your night, you know, cocktail dress and your table that you put your drink on and you can just walk around, right? Now, how can we laugh at that, at how silly the world thinks? But yeah, the world can come in with some of the things they tell us and we believe it. Well, man, everybody else is doing that. Everybody else thinks that. Well, all these people, they, they think it's okay. And Paul tells the Corinthian, uh, the Colossian believers, he says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. You know, we, we get caught up in what everybody else is doing. And what, well, but, but, man, that Christian way is so, it's just not normal. People think it's weird. Well, you know what? Let them think it's weird. Well, that's what the, what the world does, right? It deceives us through what's popular, what's accepted. Not only that, but they also deceive us through no such thing as a bad choice, right? No such thing as a bad choice. Follow your heart, the world says, right? Be true to yourself, the world tells us. The world tells us you deserve to be happy, right, at the expense of everybody else. Right? Your family, your kids. 
But that's what the world says. And no such thing as a bad choice. You just got to be, you just got to do what's good for you. And God says this in Galatians chapter 6. He says, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. That's to made a fool of. For whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will reap of the flesh corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap of the Spirit life everlasting. And the world tells us, no such thing as a bad choice. You just do what's good for you. And man, there's train wrecks all over the world. Houses are broken and families are shattered and all the things that go on because people think that their choices don't matter. And that's a deception. It's a deception. Now remember, the whole uh, purpose of deceit and warfare is to control and to overcome you. That's their goal. No such thing as a bad choice. Also, the world says uh, collecting stuff will satisfy you, man. The, the, the pursuit of things will make you feel good. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells them this. He says, now these are the ones, when he tells them the story about the, um, about the seed and the sower, he says, now these are the ones that are sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Man, you know, the more stuff you got, the more stuff you got problems with. Walking out today, you know, I was like, you know, Lord, uh, and, you know, the Lord, uh, I'm thinking about this whole thing, man. The devil's trying to get her, trying to, you know, get me, but I'm going to be good. I'm going to walk out. I got a flat tire in my car. Flat tire in my car. And my wife's like, I don't know how you know. And, we, and then we start in a little thing. And, we say, mm, and she says something. I said another, and I'm just going to take your car. You ain't taking my car. What am I going to do, walk to work tomorrow? You know, <laughs> She said, you better start early. <laughs> All right, the devil gets in there. And I remember, hey, this, that's not the battle. The battle's not the flat tire. Don't worry about that. We'll take care of that. Devil, the, the battle is the devil's trying to get my mind and worrying about that. Collecting stuff, collecting stuff. You just got to have this, got to have that. You know, the little kids, the grandkids want a trampoline now. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm like, they are not getting a trampoline. There will not be a trampoline in my backyard. We were pricing some last night, you know, <laughs> looking up. Well, maybe it'll fit over here. Maybe, no. But it's collecting stuff. It's collecting stuff. But see, that, you know, Jesus even said, you know, that, that a man's life does not consist in the, in the abundance of things which he possesses. That shouldn't be what our life's about, of just collecting things. Yeah, it's nice to have things, but that shouldn't be what our, our life's about. But, but that, that deceit is, oh, man, you'll be so much happier if you get that, and you get that new thing, and that new gun, and that new boat, and that new dress, and that new purse, and those new pair of shoes, and all those things. And that dress, oh, man, that dress was really cool. I want to get that dress I saw in that thing, you know? And that's what it becomes. And that's the deceit. That's the deceit. That's the, so the world, man, the world's constantly trying to deceive us in this warfare that we have, this spiritual battle. And, some, and we're just kind of oblivious to it. So not only is there the world, but there's also the flesh. Okay, the flesh. Your circle of influence. Your circle of influence. Now, this is individuals that have an effect in your life. Okay? 
Now, if, if you did Google or looked up Circle of Influence, there, there's actually, it has what's called, um, what's, it's called the concern, which is the outer circle, then the influence, and then the control. That's how it is. Now, usually that thing is, is made to reflect your influence on others. So you have what you can, are concerned about, and then you have what you actually influence. Like one of the examples, like your kids, you know, you, you influence your kids, and it says things that you control. But see, then if I, if I have influence on my children, then that thing gets switched around. That means there's also this circle that what affects me, what, what influences me. What concerns me, you know, I, I hear something and it concerns me, but then there's other things that actually influence me and then we'll get into control. So there are people. Now, let me tell you something to, about your circle of influence to show you how much power you have. There are people out there that it doesn't matter how many degrees they have behind their name, doesn't matter of, 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 of what they know or their credentials or even their, their, their status of their money, you will not, they could say the sky is blue and you are not going to listen to them, right? Come on, seriously. There's people of the opposite political party <laughs> that you belong to that if they said the sky was blue, you would say they're lying, right? But then there are people who are a few fries short of a happy meal. Matter of fact, some of them don't have a happy meal. They only have fries, happy meal, they got nothing. And you will listen to them, and I'll listen to them, right? That shows you you have power over who influences you. Now, the things that, some of the th- things that influence you, the people, is your, your spiritual influence. Who's your spiritual influence? Who's um, giving you truth? Now, no, no, don't get me wrong. Any pastor, any preacher, any, any person, you know, that, that is authority of, of in the church would want the people of the church to feed themselves, to have their Bible, to be able to read and be able to discern and know. Trust me, any good preacher wants, and of course it's, it's scriptural, the people to feed themselves, be able to feed themselves, and not just rely on everything that comes up from this pulpit. Matter of fact, you should, you should take what's said from this pulpit and you should examine and, and, and check yourself to make sure, man, that you're, you're obligated for that. But who's putting the spiritual influence in your life? You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, whenever he was talking to um, his disciples, and it was time for him to go, here he said this, he said, and Jesus answered them and said, take heed that no one deceives you. And Jesus is talking about the time, he said, I mean, I'm about to leave, I'm about to go, I'm going to be gone for a while, I'm going to come back, but while I'm gone, be careful no one deceives you. He even goes on to say later on in, in verse 11, he says, uh, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. So he said, man, this time period, well, I'm gone. Before I come back, there's going to be a lot of these spiritual people, leaders, preachers, teachers that are going to come through and they're going to try to deceive you. I'm telling you, Christian, you have to be wise to know that there is a lot of false doctrine, a lot of false teaching out there. You just can't believe just because some guy says he's a Christian or some guy has a TV show or whatever and whatever he says that you believe. Man, you need to know. 
And I think that, again, for myself, that um, we as Christians don't realize the battle is going on there. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you some things. Man, I was taught some wrong doctrine when I was young. I went to a school that taught me wrong doctrine. I went to a school that taught me, and I believed it, that you had to work to be saved in the Old Testament. I wasn't saved by grace through faith in the Old Testament. You had to work. I believed it. I believed that lie. It took me years, and I'll be honest, it took me years of men encouraging me in the churches that I went to, um, and, and he kept telling me, man, read your Bible, man. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. And I remember reading uh, in the book of Romans and coming through there about when Abraham had faith, and I was reading, I was like, man, how in the world? And by, by faith, God gave him eternal life. And I was like, man, I think just God kept saying, man, that's a false doctrine. That's a false man. You've been taught wrong. You've been taught wrong. <clears throat> and I had to say, man, you know what? You're right. I, I was taught wrong. So who's, who's putting in your spiritual life? Who are you listening to and getting your doctrine from? I'm telling you what, there is, there is an enemy out there that seeks to deceive you, and you have to be on your guard. You ought to be in this book. You have to be studying for yourself. So not only the, the spiritual influence, but how about who speaks into your life? Who, who are those close circle of friends or people that you listen to that, that say something and, and you take it to heart? God says here in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, do not be deceived. See, the man, that, that, he says this all the time, do not be deceived. Let no man deceive you. Deceive not yourself. He tells us them over and over. It says, do not be deceived. Evil communication or evil, evil company corrupts good habits, he says. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Who you surround yourself with is going to affect you. Don't be deceived. Don't, don't be fooled to think that you can keep company. I'm not saying you can't be a friend of sinners because Jesus is a friend of sinners. But I'm talking about the people who you let speak into your life and have an influence in you. You cannot think that you can have these people that aren't following God and it not affect you. And I work at a place where, man, I, that outward influence, man, you have to resist that outward influence that you're around every day. Man, it works on you and works on you and works on you. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't cuss. When them words come through my brain, I'll tell you that. There's, there's some sayings that, that where I work, there's just some catchy phrases, you know, and I find them coming, you know, you have to resist that. Who speaks into your life? You know, there are people you are letting influence you. What are their lives like? The people who you're letting, you're letting talk to you about your marriage, what do their marriages look like? The people who are telling you to buy that boat, how much are they in debt? See, who's speaking into your life? Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. You know, another thing that I think is, is a big problem here in, in the church, and that is this taking sides. Caught up in the, in the controversy. Probably one of the most damaging things, most casualty-causing things in the church is this thing of getting people on your side and during offenses, you know? In Romans, Paul tells them, he says, Now I urge you, brethren, 
Note those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. He says, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies. And by smooth words and, and uh, flattering speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, let me tell you, there is a difference between somebody who is truly seeking, you know, that something happened, that they got, their, they got hurt and they got wounded, they got offended, and, and they're looking to, you know, looking for guidance to how, how, to, how to deal with this. And then there's other people who are seeking to divide in their offense. And so many people get caught up, these Christians get caught up in someone else's offense. Someone else got hurt, and, and they're trying to gather these people and get this crowd. <clears throat> there, there's only two things. There's only two ways to deal with conflict, right? You can forgive and forget or confront and resolve. That's the only two choices you have. Well, let's, go, let's go talk to them. Oh, I don't, I don't really want to talk to them. Then you need to forgive and forget. That, did that hurt? That's wrong? Well, let's go. I don't want to say it. Then you need to forgive and forget. If you can't confront and resolve, you need to forgive and forget. That's the only two choices you've got. You don't gather you a brood and get all these people on your side and throw stones and sticks. That's not what it is. And so many Christians, and myself included, get deceived and caught into that and get take on someone else's offense. And you know what, this, you know what brother, sister, that, that might have been wrong, or that probably was, that this was wrong, it's terrible, but... That person's a sinner, and you need to go to them. They might not even know they did, they did that to you. How do, how do you even know they even realize they, they wounded you? You need to go and confront, confront and resolve. See, what, what happens is I end up taking their offense. Yeah, let me throw a stone at them. Yeah, that preacher, that, she really, you know, we, we, get, we get divided. <clears throat> Deceived. Forgive or, and forget or confront and resolve. That's the only two choices you have. You know, there's no choice of taking sides. Paul says in Ephesians, he said, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not partakers with them. He says for, you know, and he talks about children of light and darkness. And he goes on to talks about how that <clears throat> if you're going to take sides, and this is an example of someone who was teaching something wrong or saying something wrong, and they took sides, he says you're going to end up Suffering God's judgment when you take the wrong, if you take the wrong side. Okay, so you don't, you don't take sides. You help them resolve. Forgive and forget or confront and resolve. And not divide the church. But not only that, you know what? You are the greatest influence in your circle. Do you know that? You are the greatest influence. You are the one that has ultimate control. Now you say, man, I, I don't have control. Well, then you gave that control to something or someone else because you have control. Maybe that drug or that alcohol, or that pornography or that person or that job or that money has control now, but you gave them that control. You gave them that control. You are the greatest influence in your circle of influence. And therefore... You are the greatest deceiver in your circle of influence. It says the heart is deceitful above all things in Jeremiah 17. We've heard this many times and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God says, I know it though. My heart will deceive me more than anything else. I, I, I loved, you know, I, I, I am a, okay, all right, I'm, I'm going to confess. I like some rom-coms. You know, I, I like, uh, 
I like some chick flicks. You know what? I ain't going to lie. It's 2021. I can accept that and own to that. All right? I feel better now. It's all my chest. So, you know, I had this idea of, you know, how things were and how things are. And, and when I was growing up as a kid and all that stuff and watching the movies and all that. So, and, and, and most of you know this story, but some people are new. They don't know. But, you know, I, I used to work out <laughs> back in the day. My wife just laughed when I said that. But I used to work out. <clears throat> and and, and I, I wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I, I was, you know, I, I still, okay, I was. But I still could, you know, lift a little weight. You know, I used to. Bench two two hundred pounds. I used to be able to squat about four hundred. I used to work out about three three forty fives, six forty fives. That's what I used to work out. Four sets eight. All right, so enough about it. anyway. So I worked out. <laughs> I worked out, and I thought, you know, one day I would I would arise out of my cocoon <laughs> as a as a flowery butterfly, <laughs> and girls would notice me. <laughs> and that happened one day. I was senior in high school, you know, and we had gym, and when we, you know, we had gym during the day, and, and for us, it was going to the, to the weight, whatever, and I did all my workout, and of course, I've been working out since I was in ninth grade, because I was thin, and I wanted to, you know, gain some muscle, so I've been working out since I was in ninth grade, so here I was a senior, I come walking into the cafeteria, and uh, I'm just walking, you know, trying to be, I do my cool walk, and uh, this girl um, looks at me and smiles. I'm like, huh. And then this other girl kind of noticed me. I'm like, I was like, man, this is, it's happened. <laughs> this is real, man. All my life I've worked for this, you know. And uh, my shirt was on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my pocket, my pocket was right there. Went all, all during lunch, all lunch period. Walked around, went to my class. My friends, hey, man, your pocket's in the back. Oh, my pocket's back. Oh, man. I deceived myself. I deceived myself. You see that? I am the greatest deceiver in my circle of influence. Okay? It says there in Proverbs chapter 16, it says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. You know, we are, we are biased to our own decisions. Right, I think doing this and I think doing that. No, this is a good idea to me because I'm biased to myself. First Corinthians, Paul tells him again, he says, let no, no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool. They may be wise. Don't deceive yourself. Okay? I'm the greatest influence in my circle of influence. Paul also tells the Galatians in, uh, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, he says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And there's a whole other spectrum of people who um, won't let anybody speak into them. They, 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 no one can teach them. They're unteachable. They, it's their way or no way, and, and nothing is going to change their mind. And that's just as bad as the people who are deceived by everybody. So who's in your circle of influence that influences you? Who are you letting in? You need to be careful because there's an enemy out there to deceive you. And then last is the, is the father of deception. The father of deception. You know, Jesus told the religious leaders in John chapter 8, he said, you are of your father the devil. This is the religious leaders. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning 
and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. You know, a lie is the, is the, is the basic, most basic form of deception, a lie. And the devil started it all. He started it all. He's the father of deception. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says this, is now, now the Spirit especially says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, or deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. So there, there is an enemy out there whose whole agenda is to deceive you, to deceive you, to control and overcome you, because all warfare is based on deception. And he is out fighting. It says there in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says uh, that he's looking for an easy target. He's looking for an easy target. He says there, Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, he says. <clears throat> well, you get in these, you get in these uh, guys. I, I, I kind of run with some, some nerdy guys. I, I'm a little nerdy myself. And, you know, and I, and, but I can't believe they're talking about who was the more arch enemy of Superman, and I don't even know who they were talking about. You know, I'm like, oh, wow, this is really a thing? And they're like, yeah, man, no, he's, but no, who's more you know, arch villain of Batman? It's Joker. No, it's Riddler. It's, and I'm like, wow, we're really having this conversation, guys? I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a nerd, but, man, I didn't know we went this far, guys. I really didn't know we do this. Is this a real thing? <clears throat> but, um He's your adversary. He's your arch enemy. There is nobody out there that's a greater enemy than he is for you. Oh, you think the job or the boss or your, your spouse? No. He's your adversary. He is, he is opposite, opposed to you. And he's looking for an easy target. He's looking for an easy target. Who's not in their Bible? And who's not praying? Who's having trouble with their marriage? Trouble their finances, trouble their addiction. I'm going to get that one. Easily deceived. He's not only looking for an easy target, but he's the chief schemer. He's the chief schemer. He, he has the ability because he is the God of this world. And when people give him control, then he's able, like a puppeteer, to, you know, he, he can't make you, but he, he can kind of pull the strings to do things when you give him control, when people give him control, when things give him control. And he's the chief schemer, and he watches and he looks and he knows just exactly when to let you see your tires flat on your car, right before you go preach. You see? Just knows how that thing works. It says there in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's deceit, craft, trickery. He says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against these principalities, powers, these spiritual powers in heavenly places he talks about. So there is a battle going on. There, there is a war going on. It's secret and silent. We don't even sometimes realize it's going on. Because we're not very spiritual. We don't see into that realm. We don't realize that. Because, you know, we just don't tend to be spiritual. Be spiritual minded. But that battle is going on. It's a battle for your soul. It's a battle for the souls of your friends, your family, your kids, the people around you. 
And the devil is scheming and he's deceiving and he's doing what he can and he's using every tool and every person who gives him control to bring as many people down. Because that is the art of warfare. But the Christians, we have something. All right? The Christian's mythbuster. After Paul says all that in Ephesians, he says this, the next verse, in verse 13, he says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, in, in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. And stand therefore, having gird your waist with truth. All right? So that's the center of everything. All the other things, the sword and the, all the other armor is connected to that center piece. Right? You should be centered with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, right? There's, there's the heart attitude of righteousness. It's not about doing the do's and don'ts. It's not what that is. It's having a right heart that's in tune with God that follows and produces the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? It's, it's the breastplate. It's over your heart. It's a heart attitude. And having your, your feet, uh, I'm sorry, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, there's one of those good old King James words right there, shod. That word, I love the, the, the Greeks because they had words for everything. They had a specific word. That word, the shod, is, is a sandal or a shoe that's put on that is laced and tied to your leg. That thing ain't coming off. You have to chop off the leg to get that shoe off because it is tied onto the leg. It's wrapped and wrapped and wrapped around. And, and, and it says here that our, our feet are shod, are, are wrapped and and. and on our feet. It will never come off the preparation for the, of the gospel of peace. About everywhere we go, everywhere we walk, we always are telling people about Jesus Christ and his saving grace. It never leaves us. It's never gone. We might, we might have a hard day. We might be a little bit down, but we see somebody, and you know what? Man, you tell them about Christ. Man, I didn't read my Bible today. I feel horrible, but man, I, man, I, I slipped up here and I did this. But hey, Bob, man, let me tell you. Um, and don't do that. I tell you, you know, Jesus loves you. You know that? And I know I'm not a really good Christian. I, I don't, shouldn't be, you know, I'm not where I should be. But let me tell you about what Jesus did for me and how he loves me even despite my sin. And always, 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 your feet prepared to speak the gospel of peace. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith, in which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the, of the wicked one. And the helm of salvation, right? So not only is your heart, but your mind. Or in tune with God and the sword of the Spirit, your one, your one offensive weapon, which is the Word of God, and then pray. That's your, that's your myth buster. That's the way you can fight deceit from the enemies, the world, flesh, and the devil, those things right there. Get in tune with God. Get your heart, your mind. Get in a church. Get in the Word. Get in prayer and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. Deceit in the Christian, man, I hope this helps you. I know it helped me and, and reminded me of this spiritual secret battle that we're going you know, through, that it's, it's very real and it's more important than, than the, all the other things going around, this battle for our soul. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. God, again, I, I want to thank you, Lord, for this time to come and preach the word. And I, I pray, Lord, you help us to be spiritually minded, to, to, to be in tune with the Spirit of God and then see how the, the battle uh, the spiritual battles going on around us and to, to see how the enemies are laying traps of deceit in our path. Lord, help us to see that and uh, just stand up, be true, and not fall to these things. And we ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.